0: welcome to the illuminate podcast where we let light shine out of darkness with your host jeff stewart licensed marriage and family therapist the illuminate podcast is brought to you by the trust building academy where you can now purchase the brand new course trust building Bootcamp. if you've broken your partner's trust and you want to get it back you can join the Trust Building Bootcamp. This is a 12-week online program you can start immediately to begin healing your relationship. For less than the cost of three therapy sessions, you can get the exact same lessons I've taught my clients for the past 20 plus years as a licensed marriage and family therapist. I'll show you where to start and teach you the steps to rebuild broken trust. You can visit trustbuildingacademy.com and if you enter the promo code illuminate at checkout, you can save 15% off the cost of the course. Hello there, and welcome to the Illuminate podcast. I'm Jeff Stewart, Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist, and I'll be your host. And I love hearing from all of you. If you have any suggestions, topic ideas, guest speakers you'd love for me to interview, please shoot me an email. I'll definitely get back with you. Your input means a lot to me, and it makes this show so much better. You can actually email me directly at jeff at trustbuildingacademy.com. My first name is spelled G-E-O-F-F, at trustbuildingacademy.com. Today's episode, I'm going to interview Steven and Kayla Shields, who are a couple working through recovery. They're actually in active recovery right now. I don't really know any couples that are done with recovery. Most couples that are working through this tell me that they're working through it for the rest of their lives, and the healing is gradual, and they're making progress, and they're just staying with it one day at a time. So Steve is in recovery for his sexual addiction, and Kayla is in recovery for healing from the betrayal trauma caused by Steve's sexual addiction. You see, Kayla had no idea when she got married to Stephen that he was viewing pornography daily and even participating in prostitution. And so in this episode, they discuss Stephen coming forward, the early recovery years, being disfellowshipped, excommunicated from the LDS church, and what they are doing in recovery today. And in fact, Stephen founded a nonprofit organization called Unashamed, Unafraid in 2016, which shares couples' stories of sexual addiction recovery and also provides scholarships for treatment for couples who can't afford the cost of treatment. You can find them at unashamedunafraid.com. And they also have a podcast where you can listen to these stories and get to know more about Stephen and Kayla. It was great having Steven and Kayla uh, in the, you know, in the episode this time and to talk about their story. And I just want to warn you, sometimes when you hear from couples that are in the middle of recovery, you hear about their setbacks, you hear about their challenges, you hear about a lot of these things that can be very triggering and difficult to listen to, especially when you're working through your own process. You might feel really scared for Kayla. You might feel really angry at Steve. Both of them understand this. In fact, we talk about this in this episode that their story can trigger hope, it can trigger fear, it can trigger all kinds of different emotions and reactions. But it's important to share stories. It's important to talk about what's going on. It's supportive, it's validating, and it takes tons of courage. And I'm so grateful for both Steve and Kayla being willing to pull back the curtain and let us be able to experience what it's like for a couple that are working hard every single day in their own recovery. So let me introduce you to Steven and Kayla. Well, welcome to the Illuminate Podcast, Steve and Kayla.
1: Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to meet with you guys and actually meet you guys for the first time. Super awesome. I've read a ton on your website and I've heard great things about you and I've heard you on Kurt's podcast and so just so grateful that you guys are willing to come on here and tell your story. We don't have a lot of people on the Illuminate Podcast. I've not had a lot of guests who have come on and told their stories, just a few. And so I'm I'm really thrilled to have another live couple who are in recovery and working through this and can share this with everybody. So, yeah, it's just great to have you guys here. So, as far as this episode here, I just want to hear your story, guys. I want to be able to understand, you know, the arc of where you've been. And I don't know how you guys want to do it. If you want to just start individually, Steve, and just start, you know, with your part of it, or Kayla if you want to jump in and tell what this was like for you. I figure you guys have done this before, so let's go ahead and just jump in. Sure. And tell our listeners, yeah, tell our listeners Your recovery process, what you've been through, what you're working on, and especially just give them hope that this is not a dead end.
2: Yeah. I'll start just as a little background, if we do a little background about ourselves. But I grew up in a home where everything is perfect, right? Like my parents were always in leadership callings in our church, and I always did what I was supposed to do. And I was a good kid, and I had good friends, and I made good choices, and I checked all the boxes, like to, you know, come into a marriage and have a perfect little. Oh, perfect little family and no problems. And that's where I thought we were headed.
1: Yeah. And I'm like the more typical addict story. So discovered pornography when I was younger, had quite a bit of trauma in my family growing up, which I didn't realize till later. Like when I started group therapy at Lifestar, I was like, man, that guy's dad like beat him every Sunday after church. Like I don't have trauma. So I kind of went through my childhood. I'm like, no, there was a lot. So a lot of sexual abuse in my family and some stuff like that. And so just didn't know what to do as a kid. Like most, like I'm a kid of the internet. I'm only 31 now. So found as a kid, struggled with it. A lot of sexual behavior in high school. I say that I kind of did like a half three quarter repentance when I went on my mission. I kind of said, hey, I'd done some stuff, but I I didn't say that I'd had sex because then you got to wait, right? So not the right way to go on a mission, but I did have a good mission and felt good about my mission. But even on my mission, like I masturbated the entire time and was just like, didn't think it was a problem. So get home from my mission, meet with the bishop after cause my last mission companion. We talked about it and um, hmm. got home, kind of fell back into it, which is very typical pattern. And I remember talking to this bishop. I'm like, hey, here's everything. I brought him a T-chart to the meeting. And I said, here's everything that I did disclose to my bishop for my mission. Here's everything that I haven't. and I'm And I'm struggling with porn right now. And great bishop. I just think he didn't know what he didn't know. And right. he said, Hey, I think God's forgiven you for this stuff before your mission, which I think was true. And he said you just, you know, do the right things, you know, the typical kind of do the right things and get the spirit in your life and if you have problems, come back. And what he didn't understand and I didn't understand is I had an addiction and I already had a lot of shame. So that you know, Jeff, that the odds of me coming back are zero, right? So I That's use right. I use That's that right. as my justification of, you know, oh, I've talked to a bishop and then everything in my life kept going super well as a ordinance worker in the temple having all these spiritual experiences. I was elders quorum president. I was getting married. I was having success at work. And so, but my addiction was spinning out of control. So high to my addiction, which was before Kayla and I got married and continued after. Prostitution was the biggest one. I was stealing money from family business that I was managing to facilitate prostitution. porn, and masturbation almost daily. So Kayla has no idea when we're getting married. So I just totally snowed her by the way, not a good way to get married. Disclose first. Yeah, if anybody's <laughs> listening. If anyone's listening. And getting married won't solve it, right? We hear a lot of times with on our podcast with addicts, it's like, and I thought if I got married and was having sex, then I wouldn't have an issue anymore. That's not true either.
0: Was that your hope, Steve? I mean, when you were dating her and engaged and you're still acting out in all these different ways, was that really like a conscious hope for you that if I can just make this legitimate and legal, that this will somehow take away this monster?
1: I think it was more, because I, I was in so much denial, like, I didn't think there was a monster there. Like, I wasn't going to oh, okay. go there with myself. And right. so, I what I thought, I didn't think, oh, well, yeah, if I make it legal, if, if I can have sex, you know, legally, then it's fair, then I'll be okay. But for me, it was like, I really do care about her. Like, Kayla and I really have had just some amazing connection. And, you know, we kind of were joking about how we met, but there's a lot of cool things that happened there. And so... You know, I, I'm like, this was just my, like, the biggest quit every night before I go to bed moment was getting married. Like, this is going to stop now because, you know, I'm getting married and I want my life to be in a good place. And so it was kind of maybe the biggest, you know, motivator, quote unquote, up to that point. But stuff just continued to happen. You know, same to like as as Elders Quorum president and then I was in the bishopric in my ward. And... Kayla had gone out of town and it was the first time I ever had to sit with my addiction by myself. And it was the first time that I ever really had God kind of bring it all to me and be like, look at what you're doing. And I had a guy on my mission teach me saying, why do we do what we do when we know what we know? And that just hit me that I'm like, I'm going to get exposed at some point in time. Like I do have this whole monster, as you just described. Like that was the first time I saw the monster. And so I was like- How long had you
0: been married at that point, Steve?
1: Two and a half years. Right. Two and a half years. And so
0: you had kept it completely hidden from Kayla then?
1: Yeah. A couple small things had come up, but you just minimize them. Right. So something on my phone once when we were dating, I'm like, oh, that's my roommate. He struggles. And so definitely some little red flags there, but you know, I'm minimizing and I'm, and I'm working very hard to be the perfect husband and kind of all of that. And so. Okay. Yeah. A lot of minimizing going on. A lot of.
0: So you would say that you were so as we say past feeling or just so numbed out and just so buried in this that you couldn't even see it as the serious problem it was you were just cruising along oh, thinking yeah. that you were going to perform your way out of this or things were going to be okay as long as you know people didn't really understand then you felt like you had it managed to some degree
1: oh yeah 100% but Kayla can tell you how she kind of always felt like it was different when her and I were alone versus with other people yeah you want to say something about that Kayla
2: yeah I mean, I just felt like something was always off because Steve is so like outspoken and charismatic and just so fun to be around and then we would get home at night and he'd just be like a totally different person like he was just sad and oh like I just feel like I'm not doing enough and and I it was almost like two different people, and I always was like, what is that about? like this is so off you don't seem like you're two totally different people
0: and did you link it to an addiction?
2: No, but like I knew like. Like the whole time I was like, it won't surprise me if he struggles with pornography, you know, but like it ended there.
0: Oh, okay. So that much was kind of like, well, there's probably something there, but it wasn't something that you were confronting directly or...
2: Right. Because we had talked about it a little bit, like before we got married, I was like, so did you struggle with pornography? Which now what I know now, like that's not the right way to phrase that, you know? And of course he was like, nope. And then like after we got married, he was like, yeah, like I struggled a little bit. So I was like, just waiting for it to come out.
0: Oh, I see. Did you blame yourself for his bad moods?
2: Totally. Yeah.
0: What did you tell yourself?
2: You know, just like, oh, if I was doing more, maybe he'd be happier. If we were having sex more, maybe he'd be happier. If like, is this my fault because I didn't get ready today or I didn't have the house clean? You know, just all those things. Just looking
0: for whatever to sort of explain the mood change and the double, the kind of the double presentation, right? Exactly.
1: And I hear that now and it breaks my heart, Jeff, you know? Oh, yeah. Because it's 100% my fault. You know, uh-huh. and here's this innocent person that I love just getting, you know, terrorized by all this. So, yeah, tough stuff. But so, it, and yeah. when even when I finally came out with everything, Kayla kind of knew. So, Kayla's out of town with our three month old daughter. And I have this moment where I finally identify the monster and I'm like, well, I'm dead if I wait and I'm dead now. So, I might as well do it now. So, I'm like, I'm getting excommunicated. She's going to divorce me, but you know, got to do it now. And I'd been to some therapy with the sexual abuse in my family and stuff. And so, one of my parents had had an affair. And so I had a family system that I was like, I probably won't get completely rejected by coming forward with this. I have an older sister who's a therapist. And so there was some safety there for me, for sure. And I give my parents a lot of credit for that. Like distance traveled, my parents are amazing, amazing people. And so I came forward with everything kind of to some other people first. So I actually told Kayla's dad first, because the therapist I went to said, well, Tell her parents so that when she freaks out, you know, and has all of this hit her, her support system doesn't freak out. They're actually there to support her. So we showed up, me and her dad, to pick her and her mom up from the airport. And it was like 10 o'clock at night on like a Tuesday or something. And I picked up Kayla and then her dad picked up her mom and our daughter. So we go to this. So we're just driving. and Kayla's like, this is weird. And in my mind, I know and the therapist is like, do not say anything until you get into my office, like no matter how awkward that car ride is do not say anything to get in the office. So I did it, but we showed up there and that's kind of, Kayla can tell you how the disclosure went for her, but it's tough.
2: Yeah. Well, we actually, so we had our daughter here. His parents came and met us at the therapist's office and like took my baby. And I was like, what is going on? And so in my mind, when we're walking into this office, I was like, oh, here it comes. Like He's about to disclose a porn addiction, right? And so we sit down and he's just like, vomiting on me and i am just oh man it was not a pretty sight i was so mad and i was just screaming at him and i left that office like slamming the door like i want a divorce you're never gonna see your daughter again like i hate you i can't believe we're here and it was just it was ugly
0: Mm. so you had no you had no preparation kayla for that
2: no no I mean, I was like on East Coast time. So it was like 11 o'clock in Utah and it was 1 a.m. And, you know, the East Coast. And I was just like, oh, it was just like, it was crazy.
1: Mm. And that was the first time I saw the monster, Jeff. So she runs out of the office, therapist runs after her. And I remember sitting there being like, this therapist is going to come back up here and I need to show like emotion. Like I had no emotion. Right. Like, and just think about the gravity of that moment. And I can't even like it doesn't even penetrate something that crazy that big like doesn't even penetrate and that was the first time i realized like oh i'm totally numbed out because i'd had all of these major spiritual experiences with other people and so i was like oh that's the spirit i'm feeling the spirit and like the analogy i use is it's like christ has this feast for us so i can take you jeff to the table and be like jeff this food is amazing this is what you're missing in your life come eat this and you eat it and you're like this is the best steak i've ever had steve totally this is god thank you and i'm i feel the spirit in in a way because that happened for you right i'm like yeah i'm with other people i've helped them feel the spirit this is great but what i realized with addiction when i taste the food i taste nothing not because the food's not there not because what christ doesn't have to offer is real but because i'm so numbed out and so like think of that moment that heartbreak with kayla and i'm literally sitting in this office being like Children are starving in Africa, drowning puppies, like whatever I need to do to get my emotion worked up. So this therapist like sees that I'm responding appropriately for this moment. Like that was the first time I realized like I am numbed out.
0: Right. That's where the disconnect was so obvious because you dropped this nuke on your wife and you're having to fabricate emotion because you can't feel anything at all. Yeah, that's huge. And where did you go, Kayla? After that? Yeah.
2: So, I I called my parents and I was like, I need you to come get me. And so, they come and pick me up and we're driving home and my mom's just like, oh, man, like, I don't even know what to say. I'm so sorry. Like, this is horrible. I'm so sorry. And my dad says, he's still a good guy, Kayla. And I felt like I could have just punched my dad in the face when he said that. I was like, he's not right. a good guy. Like, do you hear what he just did to your daughter, you know? And so then we showed up to my parents' house. I spent the night there and Steve's parents brought me my little girl. And I remember just hugging them. And I was like, you know, I love you to his mom. I said, I love you. And I love Greg, Steve's dad, but like, I hate your son and we're just done. Like, I'm not going to do this. So I went into my parents' house that night and my mom took my baby and she's like, you know, just like, go do what you need to do. Maybe like pray about it and figure out or just like try to get some peace so you can sleep tonight. I mean, I went in that prayer just being so angry with God, right? Like, why did you do this to me when I've done everything that I've done to be like a good and a chaste person? And it was crazy. I've never like received an answer to a prayer like that. And it wasn't what I was expecting. I was expecting to be like, just here's some peace and go sleep tonight. And it was almost like what my dad said, like, Steve is a good person. And maybe like, let's just try to see if we can work this out. And that was like, almost not what I was expecting. And I was pretty like mad, almost that I received that.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) How confusing. Yeah. That must have been so confusing for you.
2: Yeah. Especially since it was like that night one, you know? So. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Did it feel peaceful when you got that answer or was it more just
2: Yeah. And that's what was crazy. And that's why I like woke up kind of being like, oh man, like I'm kind of mad about that because like I felt that peace and I felt like I was like able, like I slept that whole night and I am like such an anxious person, like naturally that like that is so out of the norm for me, you know? So yeah, yeah, I mean, I felt that peace like come over me.
0: Well, and one thing that I guess I feel like I need to insert for my listeners who might be hearing this because, and I'm sure you can understand this Kayla, what I'm about to say, which is receiving direction and answers and, you know, impressions and just your own personal path through recovery isn't going to be the same for every single person. And so-
2: A hundred percent. And that's why I was almost mad that I got like, you know.
0: (laughs) Right. So, you know, you might've gotten this answer for you and Steve and for your own life, but some other woman might be hearing this and she's like, well, what's wrong with me? Because when my husband disclosed to me, I broke a window and drove away and the answer was to leave him, you know, right. and, and that that would have been maybe the right thing for her. So I think that your answer is obviously exactly what you needed for you. But right. what do you tell women? What do you tell women when they maybe hear your story? Or they have a very different experience than that.
2: Oh right, no, I like. I, I mean, I was just going to get into that. Like that was right for me, and that was right for Steve and I. That is not right for a ton of stories, and that's okay. And that's you know, like I, as I've come back, I'm like Steve is. He's never had a day where he's not like, I, I want to work on this. Like, I I want to heal from this. I believe in us. And, and I know that it's so different for everyone in every story. And if you're like in a place where that's not going to happen, then it's not a healthy place to be and totally get out.
0: Right. I mean, so much of what in terms of couples recovery in the relationship, I mean, you know that you're going to be okay. But as far as actually having a chance at working this out as a couple, absolutely depends on his ability to show up every single day, like you said. Exactly. And some women never get that option.
2: Uh, yeah, I would say a lot don't. And that is, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: And that's kind of been like an ongoing theme for us. That's been one of the things that I think has gone well in our relationship is leaving that door open. Because so I was disfellowshipped at the time. And then, uh-huh. you know, it was kind of a roller coaster. So, we had the experience starting therapy. You know, I was jumping in. I had a ton of hope. Kayla's like, I don't need to show up to this. Like, I don't have the problem. You have the problem. Like, you go to therapy. You get fixed, you know? Right. We um, had a
2: lot of like not smooth sailing for the the next little bit. It oh, was yeah. pretty rough. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. yeah.
1: And so, we went along and I, I got back into fellowship. And then I had a couple acting out things happen with other women. And I chose to bury those. I went into addict mode and said, I'll just bury those. And kind of the justification, like if this was video, I'd have a big like red blinker, like he's in denial. This is a denial statement. So no one confuses it. But the justification I told myself was it's like, I'm baking a recovery cake. So as long as I get all the ingredients right and they're really good, if there's a little vinegar thrown in there, it'll be fine. And God kept showing up again and again being like, no, it's not fine. You have to be right, 100% yeah, good one, honest. Right. Like, no, I mean, so this happened a dozen <laughs> times. I could tell you an hour of just stories of that happening over the next couple of years. And so then I ended up coming forward with that stuff, which led to me getting excommunicated, and which I feel great about, both of my disciplinary processes. And I mean, that could be a whole nother conversation about how those went. But, and then after being excommunicated, I acted out in an affair, which I would say is the worst acting out I've done because to me, prostitution is so like, nameless, no emotional connection. And that happened like a month after I was excommunicated. And I remember we were sitting at Lifestar. I disclosed, I ended that relationship. It was like a week and I ended it. And Kayla and I were sitting there and that was my like ultimate low. And I just remember thinking like, Jeff, I run a podcast. I've been to all the therapy things. I've got all the men who help me. Like I've got everything. And yet still, even now, after God's given me the kitchen sink of grace thrown at me, I do the worst acting out I've ever done. And I remember kind of sitting in that moment. Kayla and I were sitting out in the car and um, I was just like, maybe I'm not a good person who does bad things. Maybe I'm just a bad person who tries to do good things. And we're sitting there and we're like, And Kayla's like, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. Maybe we should get divorced. And Kayla, and her reaction was like crazy to me because she's like, wait, what? She's like, no, you're not divorcing me. Like, we're not getting divorced. Like, I say that because I'm mad. Like, no. Like, who are you? Where are you? Like, get back here. And there were just all these moments right after that of total grace. And if there was a hope to my story, I would say that the hope is this: I feel like God had said to me and has said to me ever since that moment, look, Steve, I love you. I will heal you. I will heal your life and I have a beautiful, amazing life for you, for Kayla, a hundred percent healing. Not a manage this for everything. A hundred percent healing. And if you need to keep acting out to try and prove me wrong, go for it. We can do this as many times as you need to try and prove it. Because you can prove me here with Steve I will always be here and I will always heal you. So, however many times you need to go around this, you know, merry-go-round to figure it out, I will go with you. But by the way, we can be done whenever you want. I love you. And that, I mean, that just that just changed me.
0: Wow. Yeah. And that that eventually for you sort of hit home after this affair. Then you finally started to recognize. Okay, maybe there's hope for me. Maybe there's grace. Maybe this can really be a different life.
1: Yeah. And Kayla can okay. talk about it for her, but that was to me like also the first time that I felt like Kayla really chose to stay, seeing all the cards, knowing everything, not just because I was like, oh, but I've done all this really bad stuff, but look at this great person I'm going to build. So well, hold on, just I'm building him, Just give me, just give me a little bit of time, it's going to be awesome. Like this was the first time that I'm like, you know, she bet on me when the stock was down, like really down, like everyone would tell you not to bet on me. <laughs> So Yeah, you know,
0: where she would have had a pretty easy pass, right? She would have just been able to say, Okay, you know, ten out of ten people would say you'd be nuts to stay with this guy, so you can just walk away. And so Kayla, I'm sure some of my listeners are, are hearing this and going, and she stayed with him why?
2: I know, right? We all say right? that a little
0: bit <laughs> <laughs> at that
2: time. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, this this last year has been so crazy. I think that it's been I mean, last January when that all happened, it was literally a year ago. Right now, like we drove past like a building last night that like brought up the whole trigger for me, you know. And I was like, oh my gosh, like it was a year ago, and that was the lowest I feel like Steve and I have ever been. But then, like as this year has gone on, it has been the most healing year that we've ever had, I would say, in a in our recovery journey. And I feel like I was finally able to be like, okay, this is not my problem, because I think a lot of times when men or women come out with these stories and the spouse tries to heal it for them, right? Like, oh, like, I'm going to make sure that I do this so that they don't do that. And I'm going to make sure that like, I don't know. I just think that I took it on as my own problem a lot. And this was the first time that I was like, I truly love the person that Steve is. And he like, the core of like, who Steve is, is such a good person. And I just, I just couldn't give that up. But I was also like, this is not my problem. And for the first time, I was able to truly be like, okay, like obviously what I've been trying to do isn't working. So, I just need to focus on healing myself and hopefully like Steve and I can do that together.
0: What were you trying to do, Kayla, to manage this for him?
2: Oh, everything. Previous to this. What was I not trying to do? I was tracking him on my phone like every two seconds. I was putting filters on everything. I was always calling him to be like, where are you? Like, I don't don't know. Yeah, just like, everything you could be doing, I was doing. And then I was making it feel like it was my problem if he did slip.
0: And so at this point that he finally just face planted and he had gone as low as he'd ever gone in terms of just right the betrayal upon betrayal, mm-hmm. that's, where you, that's where you really released him. And you said, I'm going to stay, but I'm done managing this for you. It's definitely not me. It's you. Exactly. Okay. And that's at that point where he... Steve was that shift that that way for you? I mean, could you tell? I mean, did you feel like you were relying on her to manage your recovery before this?
1: I knew that she was doing that. Yeah, I
2: think he was mad that I was
1: trying. I was more mad that she was trying. Like I was oh, yeah? I was more well, cuz I've had a lot of education. I've had a lot of so I'm like quit being codependent and find your own healing like more ma- you know like
0: right. Don't okay. like
1: I, you know, and I mean, we didn't have conversations that I'm like Kayla, if I want to act out, I will. Like you can't control it. So, like, I am doing recovery for me. That's been true since day one of me coming forward. So, I totally have screwed this whole thing up, like, five times in a major way. And But I feel like then our conversation this last January just got to, like, just this crazy, like, brutal honesty. Like, you know, the stuff you have in your relationship that you're like, yeah, I think that, but I probably just will hold on to that one and not tell my spouse. Like, all those come out now. Like, all of them come out. And I think that some of those are hard conversations, obviously. But a lot of those are super positive. Like Kayla was talking to a, a friend of ours who was, because Kayla very much not, we would always, she'd be mad that I'd be mean to people, mean to her in public. And, and I would have sometimes people comment to me like, she's still mad at you, huh? And I'd be like, just by some of our interaction and stuff. And so she was talking to this friend who is complaining about her husband. And this friend knows our story, and her husband's a good guy. And but she's just kind of complaining about some stuff. And then she says to Kayla, "Oh, well, I shouldn't complain to you because your marriage is much worse, you know." And um, (laughs) and yeah, and and Kayla responds, and she's like, "Oh, my marriage is not worse than yours. Like, we have some really big problems, but like Steve and I really communicate, and we really parent together, and like we really are connected in a lot of ways." You know, and the fact one that Kayla would say that to someone and then even bigger that she would then share that story with me, like, I'm like, wow, this is really true of kind of where she's at. And I've been more honest about where I'm at in recovery instead of trying to tell her what she wants to hear. And so she's like, are you triggered? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, well, are you going to act out? I'm like, I don't know. I hope not. I'm trying to do the right things. But where before I would never do that, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm good. We're doing it. And then like, oh, nope, I slipped. And she's like, well, what do you mean? You said you were good. So just a lot more honesty, I think, between us. But we're still a work in progress.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's what we are not like fully healed. That's for sure. But I feel like we've had that more that healing more this year than ever before.
0: Right, because a lot of the times when we have people, we hear people's stories. A lot of the times, you you think of it like a like a finished product, right? Like this is right. You know, we're going to take the shrink wrap off. This thing's perfect condition. It's instead we're really talking about a work in progress, which we all are. Right. But in in terms of a recovery sense, you guys are saying yeah, like there were a few years of of fault starts and recovery and trying and and a lot of a lot of hiding and mani- you know manipulation and you know, yep. trying to manage things on my own. And, you know, you trying to manage everything yourself, Kayla, like, I mean, you guys were really trying to feel this, feel your way through this and figure it out. And then the bottom falls out. Mm-hmm. And then you have a whole different layer of, of recovery. And, and you know, my guess is for you guys that you're under no illusion that that this is going to be the last, you know... Setback, right? Right. I and mean, I'm guessing that you, you guys are looking at this and saying, yeah, no, we're in a process. We're in. We're actively healing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And there will be new new layers, new discoveries, new surprises. But somehow the process of what you're in feels secure. Like the process. You're trusting the process. Is that is that a safe way to put it, Kayla? For you?
2: Yeah, totally. Yes.
0: That's kind of what I'm hearing for you. It's like, no, I I'm under. Yeah, I'm under no sort of like illusion of who St- Steve is and what he's trying to do and whatever. But as long as we stay in this process and the honesty's there and we keep going through it there's something about that that keeps you engaged in this with him.
2: Mm, yeah. Yeah. I mean just like I said before like I love the person that Steve truly is. Like and I feel like Steve is like my person. Like he is <laughs> for me and you know. And yeah, I mean it's been hard. It's been so hard. But I feel like if we can both just stay in that process and realize that there's always going to be ups and downs and we're always going to have to, you know, check in with each other and be there for each other. Then, yeah, we can get through it. We can get through the hard times
0: I mean, I'm sure some people as i'm as I'm listening to your story, you know this is the first time I've heard your story, so this is all new for me as well. But I'm just curious for you, Kayla, like, as you think about you know what what would make you pause and think twice about going forward with steve like what have you what would you say about that for you what what kinds of things would you you know would you have to experience to say, like, you know what? this probably isn't worth investing in anymore. I probably need to just let him go,
2: yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm still like trying to receive that answer because I mean, I ask that answer every day. (laughs) But I think as long as Steve is so, I mean, we had that week in January where I was like, who is this person? And like, I feel like he truly hit rock bottom, like I'd never seen before. But I feel like as long as he is so optimistic about recovery and wanting it so bad in his heart and doing, you know, the things that he should be doing for the most part, like, I feel like I just. I'm not ready to give up on that yet. Like I've built my whole life with this person. We have two kids together. Like we do have so much fun together. We feed off of each other and I'm just, yeah.
0: Right. It's almost like his addiction and his struggles aren't him. It's not who he is. It's not one dimensional. Right. You know, he's obviously a whole person. You're a whole person. Yeah. And you're you're looking at this and saying, well, you know, as long as as long as he's actively in this process and mm-hmm. there's growth and I can see movement and healing, yeah, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna hang in there and see where this goes. And obviously, there's risk in that, right? Oh, 100%. It's just more time, right. right? It's more time. It's more of you giving your life to him and you guys building this together. Mm-hmm. Which you know, I'm sure it's some some days where you're like kind of doing a gut check about whether or not this is really the the best thing or not, right?
2: Right. And I feel I feel like people look at me like I'm stupid, like. <laughs>
1: we've had people tell her
2: that. Yeah. Like we,
0: Oh yeah. I'm not surprised. Right.
2: Yeah. Like we did a fireside and we did these like anonymous questions where people text us and someone texted me and they were like, you're so young and naive. Like, why would you stay? And like, that just like hurt my heart. Cause I'm like you, one, you haven't like received personal revelation for me. Right. And two, like, you don't know who Steve is. And so, I mean, I've, I brought that to like my therapist a ton. Like, am I just being young and naive? Like, am I stupid? And, She's like, do you feel like peace about staying? And I'm like, I totally do. And so, you know, I'm just going to take it a day at a time and see how it goes.
0: I love that. And the thing is, is other people don't have to receive an answer about whether they'd stay with Steve. Right, exactly.
2: (laughs) And I know like, I think they're not invited anyway.
1: So, yeah. We all have our our
2: trials in life, right? And I feel like this is like a big one for us. and. and I always told Steve, like before this all came out, I was like, if you ever cheat on me, like we are done. We are over. And so it's so, it's so easy to say what you would do unless you've been in that situation or until you've been in that situation.
0: Right, exactly. And, and that's just it. As far as judging other people's recoveries, judging other people's path, it's not a committee decision where mm-hmm. um, nobody's invi- invited in to sort of weigh in on this and decide whether or not you're just a fool or not, Kayla. This is a very sacred private experience for you and it's your path and your journey and you get to decide. And and one thing one thing that I it's coming up for me as I'm listening to you guys talk about this is I'm sure there are there are some women and even men listening who have been betrayed and they're listening and going, it's probably so validating to hear this train wreck of a story, right? That mm-hmm. you guys have. Mm-hmm. And every indicator should say you guys shouldn't be together. And maybe a lot of people, out, some people out there who have been in similar situations, but have chosen to stay may feel validated by this and feel like, you know what, it is more complicated than it seems on the surface. And staying and working through it is just as good of an option as walking away and leaving. It just depends on what answer you're getting and what you you need for your own path. Right. And everybody gets to choose that. And everybody gets to everybody gets to kind of live with the the outcome of that choice. Mm-hmm. And this is the outcome you're choosing to live with. And it's working for you and you're going to keep going with it.
1: Well, and, and I think the big, like, if I ever give advice or, or the, the hope message I would put is, I feel like, it's like when I got back from my mission, that's when smartphones came out and everyone was like, actually, like the, the whole thing blew up. Before my mission, it was like flip phones. And I remember uh-huh. I got home and my sister had an iPhone. I'm like, is it really that cool? Who uses touchscreens anyways? Touchscreens are the worst. And she's like, you're literally an idiot. And I remember I got a smartphone and it's like the world changed, right? And like I had a buddy come up to me who still has like a flip phone, a razor. Like, is the smartphone really that much better? And like I minimize it with them. I'm like, no, you know, it's no different. And they walk away and I'm like, totally, it's hundred percent better. Like, that's how I feel about recovery, because like our lives are messed up. Like our story is a train wreck, but we have authenticity. And authenticity is the place where you're really gonna find God in your life. And so to me, like if the atonement's real and God's grace and his healing power is real and repentance is real for anyone. Because I think actually most of us don't believe that, right? Like in January, I, I quit believing, right? For a minute. I'm like, uh, his grace only went that far, not this far, you know, not not for what I just did. So if we believe that, then however much debt you've stacked up really is less of relevant, right? Yeah. If you have a little debt, the journey back is going to be quicker. If you, I just talked to an 18 year old kid who's working on it right now in full heart his journey is gonna be a lot smoother than mine his recovery but so i mine's a lot bigger but either way once you enter that path you've stopped living life in black and white and you're living in full 4k color and so like yeah our life is like really hard but to be honest we have conversations all the time with people we know where they're still living in black and white they're living unauthentic and god's not fully engaging them in their lives and we're like man we're glad we're alive. Like it's hard out here, but like the some of the moments that Kayla and I have are just like incredible. And like, right. we're still not okay. Like she like just last night, she was way triggered and it was like awkward and hard and we weren't close. And it was like, ah, you know, it was like the worst. But then we have these other moments that are so real. Like to go back to my knowledge, just like, we're really tasting the food. It turns out I was right. It's really good.
0: Yeah. Right. And it's really not even about what you've done or how far down you've gone. It's it's really about are you are you open to God's grace? Are you open to to truth and honesty and really working through this? Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Steve, so I'm just curious for you, what does your recovery look like a year into this now? I mean, I, I get that you've you started recovery like six years ago. Yep. Went right, but but you you like you said, you kinda of cobbled together a sort of a like you said, a three quarters recovery or whatever. You were just you were holding on to stuff. <laughs> yep. You weren't quite there. But then a year ago, this, this affair comes out and you get communicated and, and now your, your recovery process just really took on a whole different tone. So what's that look like in the past year? What are you doing now? What's it look like in the future for you?
1: Yeah, so I was, um, yeah, I'm kind of a weird bag because like some of my recovery skills, I would say are super high because I've been doing them for five or six years. And then other recovery skills are way low because those are the ones I've really struggled with. And so like this last year, I was—I had seven months of, of sobriety, which is actually the longest I've ever honestly truly been sober. And then I had Kayla went out of town, and but I kept the kids. And we have two kids now. And she came back and I slipped right when she came back. And I was sitting with my therapist with Todd. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. I probably wasn't doing all the right things, but I kind of was doing the right things. And and we're there and he's like making me sit in it. And I'm like, oh, let's just move on. Like, you know, and I stay there and out of nowhere, it just comes up for me. And I'm like, it's because I was abandoned. And he's like, bingo. Just the, just because Kay- trauma is not logical. Just Kayla leaving, even though I know she was just coming back in two days and it was no big deal. Just her leaving and me sitting there with my kids brought on the abandonment that I felt as a kid. And so I feel like God was like, hey, before we kind of get all the way, here's some slips. And, and what I realized was dealing with this abandonment, which has really led me to the missing piece for me right now in my recovery is really understanding surrender. Because I can I can call a couple of guys when I'm feeling triggered. I can identify it. I have awareness in my body that it's going on. I know the pattern. The piece still missing for me is in that moment, surrendering that to God. And really allowing him to meet me in that moment and giving it to him. So I just started this year, and we're going to do some podcast episodes about it. Of it's the first time I've ever actually worked the twelve steps this year. So going to my meeting every week, actually working them because I think the twelve steps just such a good job of just that surrender piece and really turning it to God and the powerlessness. Like that's and that's the conversations can I've had. She's like, "You have it all. You just have to give it." And I'm like, "I know." So I'm like, I think it's the surrender stuff. Like that's where God's led me right now. And it feels really healing and like really good. And so that's kind of right now my recovery, what I'm working on. Awesome.
0: How about for you, Kayla? How has your recovery changed over the last, you know, years? You kind of mentioned a little bit about, you know, your own surrender in terms of like letting him take responsibility, but anything you want to add to that?
2: Yeah, I think I've just like, yeah, the whole like not controlling him. But I've also, for the first time, like I've always heard like betrayal trauma, betrayal trauma, you know? And I'm like, oh, like, yeah, I think I've really like spent some time like trying to heal myself and being like, okay, like what, what has this done to me? And not even what has this done to me, but like, how can this make me a better person and how can I, you know, truly heal from this? So I feel like I've spent some time in therapy this year doing that and just learning how to connect to Steve in a different way and not controlling that, you know, his addiction, his, the outcome and just trying to give it to God and allowing that in my life.
0: Well, I really honor and respect both of you for the work that you're doing and your willingness to open up. And, you know, as I've said to to all of you listeners, like this is just one story of thousands, millions of stories out there. Mm -hmm. And one thing I'm I'm grateful for, for both of you is your willingness to go public with your story, but also to invite others to share their stories. And in the next episode, we'll talk about uh, your organization, Unashamed, Unafraid, and how you're inviting people to tell their authentic stories about recovery so that you can build a community of support just from people being honest and open about the struggle because there's so many different flavors of this there's so many different ways people do recovery and experience healing and we need to you know we need to really be able to hear and understand all the different ways that God shows up in our lives and see all the different ways that people navigate through different types of challenges and you know again you guys are just one story And I hope that, you know, for my listeners, as you're listening to this, if there are elements of this that really apply and really fit and really validate and strengthen you, then I'm grateful that you were able to get that today. And if there are pieces of it that for you are difficult or that you don't quite connect to, that's okay. That's okay. This is their story and and they're sticking to it and they're going to keep moving in their process. And hopefully as you continue to work your own recoveries, you know, you might find other stories that resonate with you in other ways that you feel supported. That's just the beauty of stories. It's not a one size fits all, but there are some key principles in terms of openness and authenticity that apply to every single recovery. I don't personally ever see people get better in the 20 years I've done this that aren't willing to commit to full surrender and full transparency. That one you can take to the bank. And so all the details of how messy it gets or where it goes, you know, those are as varied as there are people. And so I'm just really grateful for both of your, your work that you're doing. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast for this episode, and I'll, I'll definitely check in with you in our next episode about your organization and about telling stories. Anything else you want to say, both of you, to my listeners before we sign off on this episode?
2: Yeah, I mean, I just want to like echo that. I've heard so many stories that I'm just like, that is crap. Like, what what are they even saying? And I'm like, you know what? Like, that is their story. So that's just exactly it. Like, we chose to stay. We're trying to work it out, but that might not be right for everyone. And that's, that's okay. And it's a beautiful thing, no matter what, you know, and -hmm. you still need to get that healing for yourself, even if you choose to leave, because I mean, now you've, you're stuck with it no matter what. Right. But, but yeah, I truly am. I mean, I feel like I pray almost saying thank you for this trial because of the person that it's made me. I mean, when we first started it, I was 22 years old and just so just lost. And I feel like I've truly like found myself by doing my own work. And I feel like our marriage is in a better place than it could have ever been without this trial. So yeah, thanks for having us.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Kayla. Steve, any final words? God's got a beautiful life for you, but you have to, it's that transparency you're talking about. I don't know what that beautiful life looks like. Mine is running a podcast, showing my story and listening to Christian rap music. To me, that is a crazy beautiful life with my awesome wife and I don't know what your beautiful life will look like, but I promise you, if you trust God, he will open the doors and it will be incredible. Powerful stuff, guys. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks for having us.
0: Thank you. You can learn more about Steven and Kayla and their nonprofit organization, Unashamed Unafraid. You can visit them at unashamedunafraid.com and you can find their podcast anywhere podcasts are found. And you can get on there and read and learn more about these different couples that are so courageously telling their stories. I'm so grateful for both Stephen and and, uh, Kayla for jumping on this podcast and lending their voices to the many voices out there who are trying to establish hope and give people encouragement and let them know that things do get better. In my next episode, I'm going to interview Stephen one-on-one, and we're going to talk more in depth about sharing stories without shame and the need for telling stories And why that's such an important part of healthy recovery is opening up and fighting back the shame with your own story, whether you share it with one other person or with an entire community like he's doing on this podcast. Once again, thank you all for your support of the Illuminate podcast. And I look forward to being with you in the next episode.